Let me just mention some of the areas, some specific areas in which you need to consider if you are actually persevering. So these are just some specifics by way of application, really. So that's your pattern. That's your strength. Those are your illustrations. That's your definition. Now, what are some areas you need to consider? Am I persevering in these things as the means by which I can accomplish the will of God? One is life and doctrine. That is, are you persevering in your life reflecting the character of Christ and your doctrine, that is what you believe, properly reflecting the truths of Scripture? You've got to be diligent here. Hello, and welcome again to Grace Maryville Weekly, a ministry of Grace Community Church located in downtown Maryville, Tennessee. If you join us at the beginning of the week, you know that Pastor Chris is still in the midst of a series of messages entitled Topics for Tough Times. This week, Pastor Chris is covering the topic of perseverance in this message entitled Perseverance, Victorious Endurance in the Face of Great Difficulty. Last time, Pastor Chris worked through the biblical definition of perseverance as well as the strength for perseverance. If you would, grab your Bible and join us as Pastor Chris concludes this message. And stay tuned until the end to find out more about Grace Community Church and the ministries that we offer. So what's the process? What's the, how, how do we develop and build this perseverance in individual situations and really lay a groundwork, a foundation for perseverance throughout our lives? Well, let's look at the first important point, and you'll recognize this point from every single one of the topics for tough times that we have had, this first point is meditate on the word. By the way, just to let you know, my second point is going to be pray for wisdom. And as Mike Fabera says, you're really going to begin your, you know, your answer to the problem with meditate and pray or read the word and pray. I mean, that's my grandpa's sermon. Well, grandpa had a good sermon. He was right. Your mom was right. Your dad was right. Your Sunday school teacher was right. Rob was right when he taught you on, in youth Sunday school. The word and prayer are where everything begins because that's how we interact with God most directly. So in order to have perseverance, you cannot skip the step of meditating on the word. Maybe you've gotten distracted. You've been playing your video games. You've been doing a few too many Zoom meetings. Now that you are getting things lightened up, man, every friend, every place, all the time, and you're gone. But maybe, just maybe, you spent this time digging into the word as, as Jennifer encouraged us to do, digging deeply in the things of the word so that you will have the perseverance you need. Psalm 1-2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That is, the contrast from Psalm 1-1 is uh, that he does not stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers or walk in, in the way of the wicked. His delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf doesn't wither. You know these verses. Why doesn't the leaf wither? Why doesn't when drought comes and when difficulty comes, why does this tree not wither away because it's been firmly planted? That's you when you meditate on the word. And everything he does, he prospers, he perseveres. What does it mean to meditate? To think about the word. You read it. You don't just, it's not just reading it. It's thinking about it. Then you have to understand it. Sometimes you got to dig deep. Sometimes you got to look at a MacArthur commentary. Sometimes you've got to hear a sermon. So you think on the word, you understand the word, you consider how you're going to apply the word, and then you let the principles of the word filter your every thought. That's meditation. It's not even just thinking about a principle. 
Meditating on the word is to take all of your thoughts captive by comparing them to the principles of the word of God and making sure that not one single wrong thought gets through. I'm going to quit. God is bad. I shouldn't have to do this. My parents don't know what they're talking about. I mean, you name it. None of those thoughts get through if you're meditating on the word properly and it builds your foundation for true perseverance. But where you're thinking wrongly, believing wrongly, not grounded in the word, you will not have the strength you need and you will begin to fail. Meditating on the word. Praying. Praying for wisdom. Really praying for everything. James 1.5. In the very context of surviving in trials, it says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, you can't ask God for wisdom and not be in his word. You see why those have to go together. Because the wisdom he provides is through his word. So you're meditating on the word, you're crying out to God for wisdom, and then you are taking the principles that he brings to mind through his word and applying them to every difficult thing that's happening to you. How do I think about this? Well, the word tells me. God, help me have wisdom to understand that. How do I, how do I deal with this particular difficulty? Well, the word of God has a principle for it, and you cry out that God would give you wisdom. So we pray for wisdom. We also cry out to the Lord in pain and difficulty. We reveal to him our situation. Lord, I'm hurting here. This is hard. Give me wisdom that I can honor and please you. To meditate on the word and to pray is the foundation for having true perseverance. But then also, as we read in Hebrews 12, and if you're still there, you can just glance your eyes there. Remember your witnesses. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, that is all of those who have gone before. Hebrews 11 is the chapter before this. All of those men of faith who persevered through trial and sometimes didn't do a super great job like Samson or others who, who seemed to be really weak all the way through. But in the end, they served and honored the Lord. Guys, those are witnesses of your life. They're not looking at you going, oh, hope he makes it. That's, that's not that kind of witness. They're not just staring at you going, oh, you're running around. They're going, oh, he's running pretty fast. I don't know if he's going to make it to the end. It's not like when we sit in the stands and hope somebody scores a touchdown. No, the witnesses are those who are testifying themselves. That's the meaning of this word. They're witnessing to the goodness of God through their lives in the pages of Scripture and the things they said. Look at those witnesses. See those that made it. They didn't give up. And this was the Lord's power in their life. And, and the beauty of Scripture is you can clearly see that it wasn't, it wasn't that they were such great Christians that they didn't give up. They were such perfect people that that's why they didn't fail. None of them were perfect. Some of them failed miserably, and yet God caused them to remain firm by faith, and they persevered. Remember your witnesses. And then Hebrews 12 also says what? Remove sin. You can't go running around the track with a bunch of extra stuff on and expect to have good endurance. The first time I went mountaineering, we are supposed to go climb a 14,000-foot peak. We are going to go up a 2,000-foot rock face. We had about a 20-mile hike before that, which was pretty much straight up. We were climbing Mount Whitney. So I'd never been mountaineering before. I've done a lot of backpacking, a lot of hiking, and a lot of climbing. When you go rock climbing, you just kind of take your stuff, and you walk out to the rock, and you, you know, get your shorts on, and, and just, you know, go up the rock. Well, that's not mountaineering. Everything goes in your backpack. We had five days worth of expedition. We had two rock faces to climb, and everything had to go in there. Well, I way overpacked because I was way overconfident. I'd never been ever, really up to that point, physically stretched to the point where I didn't have strength. Well, I was on this trip. And by the time I was done with the trip, about halfway through, I had, been, I had to actually take things out of my pack and set them behind a rock, hoping that I could get them on the way back because I was totally out of energy. That's how, that's how difficult it was. I, I couldn't afford to take extra stuff with me. 
Guys, you can't have extra stuff if you're going to make it through the Christian life with perseverance. And that extra stuff is sin. It has to go. Not because I'm some kind of weird legalist and trying to ruin your life or your parents are trying you know, trying to harm you by telling you not to sin. Sin is killing your ability to persevere. You know, it would be like you know, telling a marathon runner, hey, I want you to carry around this 100-pound uh, you know, barbell. Oh, why, why don't you just throw this backpack on and run your 26 miles? You look at you like, you're crazy. I'm getting rid of that. And yet somehow we don't want to get rid of sin thinking it's some kind of benefit to us. How could sin be, benefit, be of benefit in a race that depends on your getting rid of sin to make it to the end faithfully. Remove sin. Because we, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance, that would be anything that distracts us from the Lord, and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance. How do you remove sin? Well, this is just a quick blueprint. You got to respond to God's discipline. I just read those. God disciplines you positively by saying, look, here's training you need to overcome sin. Uh, Annika read about that in our, our uh, student leadership book, Knowing God, where God trains his royal children. Uh, they have work to do for him, so they tra- they're trained in the, you know, if you're a king's son, you're trained in the politics, you're trained in fighting, you're trained in the very skills that you will need. Well, we're children of the king. We've got work to do, so he positively trains us, but it's hard. And so we receive that kind of discipline, and we work hard at it so that we can do a good job, but also the negative where when we fail, we're punished. In this case, punishment is truly just simply a discipline from the Lord. It might be a negative consequence in our life, but always for our good. So we respond to God's discipline. When he disciplines us, we don't faint. God, why could you do this? Why are you making this hard thing for me? And again, it can be really hard. I understand. But we need to respond to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for your discipline, both positive and negative, all the ways you correct me and train me. I love it. Help me to enjoy it even more. Help me to respond to it. It's, it says, all this one for the moment in the same passage seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. That is, we don't love the negative sides of discipline or even necessarily the really hard parts of a positive discipline. But we love what it brings, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So we, res- we respond to God's discipline. We recognize our sin. Say, oh, what's going on? Why are these things happening? Well, let me see if there's sin that I can deal with. We look into the scriptures. Guys, don't just read your Bibles every morning and then, for, you know, log it on your, uh, you know, on your Bible program. Say, look, I did my, I, you know, I did my quiet time and not apply those principles to see if you can need to overcome sin somewhere. Maybe that particular passage was revealing to you in its principles sin that you have. Don't just blast past it. Say, you know, check that off. My, my U version's done for the day. And we're supposed to look to see, is there a sin I need to fix? Is there a positive uh, command that I need to obey? Do I need to change something? Recognize your sin and repent of it. Don't coddle it. Don't deny it. Some of us are so foolish, and I include myself in this, that there'll be a principle of Scripture. There's no one around, and it's in my, you know, I I read it, and I'm getting convicted about the sin. I'm literally kind of in my head saying, well, I don't have to do that. Well, who's listening? Who am I trying to convince? Why not just change? Why don't you say, no, I'm having a bad attitude towards that person. I need to stop. I'm despising that person. I'm rebelling in this area. I'm gossiping here. I'm watching stuff I shouldn't watch. I mean, those are encumbrances that got to go. You repent. Lord, I'm sorry. Let me turn away from that because it's keeping me from honoring you. My perseverance is lagging. I'm starting to huff and puff in the Christian life. I'm only 16 and I'm huffing and puffing because I've allowed all of these bad attitudes into my life. It's time for him to go. 
I'm 65 or 75, and I've just got stuff all crammed into my backpack, and I'm trying to make the final summit, and I can't do it because I've got all of this stuff. Get rid of it. That's repentance. Turn away from it. Drop it. Put it behind the rock. Throw it off a cliff. And turn around to go the other way. Respond to God's discipline. Recognize your sin. Repent of your sin. Receive God's forgiveness. He forgives you totally and completely. He doesn't hold it against you. He doesn't say, well, you know, I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked for forgiveness, but no perseverance for you, only suffering. No, he forgives completely and enables us to continue on in the Christian life, granting us perseverance and strength and wisdom as we receive his forgiveness and then replace your sin with righteous behavior. Don't just get rid you know, don't stop gossiping. Start telling the truth. Start building others up. Don't just stop cutting people down in your social media posts. Instead, start building people up. Can you imagine? All of your posts were, you know, what a joy to see so-and-so doing this, and what a delight to see God do this, and how, how, you know, how incredible it was that the Lord is working in these ways. And that'd be great. That would be replacing our sinful patterns with righteous ones. Maybe instead of rebelling against your parents, you don't just stop rebelling. Well, all right, I'm not going to complain about taking out the trash. Well, good for you. I mean, that's not that big a deal. Well, maybe it is. But you're supposed to replace it with, Mom, Dad, what can I do? How can I help? Not just I'm going to take out the trash, but what can I do other than that? And how can I be more helpful in the family? And maybe I could help with dinner. And maybe I could watch the kids. And maybe I could send you out on a date. You replace your sinful behavior with righteous behavior, and then you've truly repented. So you're going to have to meditate on the word. You're going to have to pray for wisdom. Remember your witnesses. Remove your sin by the, by the grace of God. And you're going to have to consider Christ. Again, in our passage, Hebrews 12 fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's the only way you're going to get rid of sin. If you see his example, that he pursued the cross for you, that he went unto death, experiencing the discipline of God in a way that we could never understand so that we might be free to have perseverance, free to be saved and to be able to accomplish the work of God. So we consider his example and we consider his value. Whatever things were gained to me, says Paul in Philippians 3, I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. What is more? I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's worth you laying aside every sin. He's worth you putting to place every spiritual exercise, discipline necessary so that you can accomplish his work. He's worthy of your perseverance. And when you fix your eyes on him, you begin to see that. You see, the goal is not to climb a mountain. The goal is not to build a kingdom. The goal is not to get straight A's and become the, the most, you know, the, the best musician on the planet and have people calling you up to go sing for them. That's not the goal. Those are sub-goals. It's not just to make it through the end, not having sinned really badly or slept with your girlfriend or not taking drugs. That's not the issue. The goal is that you would one day spend eternity with your father in heaven in joyful relationship with Jesus, having made him look great. That's the goal. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider his example and his value. Clothe yourselves with joy. That is, consider it all joy. Remember why this trial is happening. Remember that your perseverance is making Jesus look good, accomplishing his purposes, strengthening you, building up those around you. There's every reason to consider trials joy, even though they in and of themselves aren't joyful things. It's what they produce that's joyful. We covered that last week. It's not an emotional hit, kind of like taking cocaine. It's a settled inner conviction that this is good. And that does bring oftentimes an emotional delight, but not in the same way that some external thing does. Then seek out the people of God. Seek out the people of God. 
that they would pray for you. You need people to pray for you. Have them do it. Be in community. Go to your, you know, your fellowship groups and go to your small group meetings. Not to, to because you're supposed to. Go because you, want, you need people to pray for you. When you have those prayer request times, it's not where you're clamming up. Well, you know, pray that my cat will be better. Well, it's fine to pray for your animals, but how about pray that I won't be you know, gossipy? Pray that I won't be rebellious. Pray that I will, I will read my Bible, but not just read it, but I'll read it to honor the Lord. Guys, you need people to pray for you, so be in community, and they will. You need to pray for them. So seek out the people of God in their prayers, in their exhortations. You need people to exhort you in what is right. You need people to confront you. Galatians 6.1. Brethren, even if any man is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. You need people to look you in the eye and say, you need to stop sinning. You need to put away that thing so you can run with endurance. And it's people that do that. God does it sometimes directly convicting you, and he does that through his word, but he often does it through people who recognize these things in your life and confront you. But you also need the comfort of the people of God. They will pray for you. They will exhort you and confront you. They will comfort you. It will bring you encouragement, and you need that strengthening. Comfort and encouragement that they bring. 1 Thessalonians 2.11, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. We need that kind of encouragement. And that is one of the reasons it's been so difficult to be away from God's people. When they're not confronting us, they, they are praying for us. That's the joy that we can pray for one another. But we're not receiving their encouragement directly a lot of times. But it also means that when we come back together, these are the things we need to do. Comfort, encourage, biblically confront, pray. And that will enable us to be strong when things are hard. Because if you don't have a good community of God's people, you are not going to persevere. You're going to fail when things get hard. You're going to blow out when just when you need to be strong. You've got to stay close to the people of God. And then find your way of escape in the hard point of each trial. See, each temptation, each difficulty is a particular point where you need to escape to, through the principles of God. Not escape from the difficulty, not escape from the hard thing, but you need to say, this is my crisis moment. I'm about to sin or I have sinned and now I need to repent and press on. You need to find the way of escape because God always provides one. It was Napoleon that said in the heat, I'm reading a fascinating biography of him, which kind of just sheds a lot of light on what was going on during those times. He said this, in the heat of battle, and he won, he lost seven battles out of 63 battles that he fought. He lost only seven. Of course, he lost the last couple, which were the worst. But nonetheless, he, he lost very few battles. And he said, in the heat of the moment, in the heat of a battle, there's 10 to 15 minutes, and sometimes a three or four day battle that is going to determine the course of events. It's true for you. There is a way of escape at each moment in a hard time, and God always provides it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken but such as is common to men. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, that test, that trial, will provide a way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. You don't have to fail. You might fail, and then he provides a way of escape to repent. But you don't have to fail because he's provided a way for you to make it through without being rebellious, without diving into sin, without gossiping, without failing and walking away from the church. Find the way of escape. As you're meditating, as you're with God's people, as you're praying, as you are clothing yourself with joy, he will reveal that way of escape as you seek it and you will make it through that trial stronger and more able to accomplish the work of God. So that's the process, a process. That you meditate on his word and pray for wisdom and remember your witnesses. 
Remove sin. Consider Christ. Clothe yourselves with joy. Find, uh, seek out God's people and find your way of escape. Now to finish out, let me just mention some of the areas, some specific areas in which you need to consider if you are actually persevering. So these are just some specifics by way of application, really. So that's your pattern. That's your strength. Those are your illustrations. That's your definition. Now, what are some areas you need to consider? Am I persevering in these things as the means by which I can accomplish the will of God? One is life and doctrine. That is, are you persevering in your life reflecting the character of Christ and your doctrine, that is what you believe, properly reflecting the truths of Scripture? You've got to be diligent here. In 1 Timothy 4.16, he says, pay close attention to yourself and your teaching, your life and your doctrine. Persevere in them. For in doing this, you will ensure salvation. That is, you will persevere to the end. Because you've got to watch your life, constantly calibrating it. Got to watch your doctrine. Are you believing what's right? Are you sure that you know the truth? Next, your spiritual disciplines. Prayer and the word and fellowship and evangelism and meditation, all these things. Guys, you've, you've got to be diligent there or you won't persevere. So you need to analyze those things as well. Are you failing? Why? Get accountable with someone. Work with someone. Life, doctrine, spiritual disciplines. These all relate together. Good works. That is every work which is empowered by God for the glory of God according to the principles of the word of God. Don't, have you grown weary in doing good works? Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we don't grow weary. Maybe you've gotten tired. I'm tired of ministering to my siblings. I'm tired of parenting my children. I'm tired of dealing with my external family that's so hard, my extended family that's so difficult. Don't grow weary in, in well-doing. Persevere in, in these ways that we've described, taking hold of the strength that you have. Oh, don't grow weary in your relationships. Persevere in them. Stay close to your family. Work hard. Parents with your children. Uh, children with your parents. Children with your siblings. Friends with your friends. In your marriages. Don't grow weary. Don't allow yourself to say, I'm just tired of working. I'm not going to work anymore. I'm not going to persevere. No, marriage is to be persevered through to the end. Find your help. Gain your strength. Persevere. Don't give up in your relationships. And certainly don't give up on the church. The church is hard. People are difficult. They make mistakes. They sin. But we are to persevere with those in the church. We are not to lose sight of the goal that our church would be strengthened and deepened and unified, that our youth group would be strong. Don't abandon the church. Be faithful. Persevere. Because if you do, the blessings will flow from that choice into the church and into your life. Don't Grow weary in your relationships. Persevere. Don't give up on spiritual warfare. Second Timothy 4, 7, Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. Don't get out of the battle. Don't get weary. I'm just going to set my, you know, my shield of faith is going down. My sort of, the spirit is, I'm setting it aside. My helmet of salvation, I'm taking it off. I'm just tired. Fight the good fight. Take hold of the strength. Put into practice these things we've been talking about. Don't lose heart in the battle. This is the, this is the crux of it. Each moment is that important point in the battle. Don't give up. Don't give up in trials. As we've talked about, recognize that they are strengthening you. And instead of running from them or being faint-hearted in them, pursue the Lord in them. Don't give up in evangelism. This is, a, this is an easy one to just say, I'm tired of it. It's hard to evangelize. I'm tired of keep trying. I just feel guilty when I don't. No, it's, it's okay. <laughs> keep trying. Don't give up. It will be effective, whether or not you win people to Christ or not. 
Don't give up in faithfully pursuing evangelism. Don't give up due to advancing age. Titus 2 says, older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and in perseverance. My precious elderly saints, don't give up in old age. Don't begin to slow down. Instead, pursue the Lord and hit the tape. The same J.I. Packer that's writing our book, Knowing God, who wrote it 30 years ago. Yeah, 35, more than that now. He's 94 years old, and he remains faithfully serving the Lord. He just wrote a book on how to finish well at 94. And he's pressing on to hit the tape hard, even though his body doesn't respond in all the ways that it used to. And lastly, as far as things to persevere in, persevere in humble repentance. Have you failed miserably? The way to greater perseverance and victory is to allow failure to drive you to repentance so that you take hold of forgiveness and then you're strengthened in perseverance. Even failure. Peter failed. David failed. Even failure doesn't keep you from growing in perseverance if you repent and pursue the Lord. Psalm 133 and 4. If the Lord should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And every time you are forgiven, you fear the Lord more and you grow in perseverance even when you failed. What an amazing thing. So don't give up on humbly repenting. Don't stop doing that and you will grow. What's the fruit you'll reap? Proven character. Romans 5 says that when we persevere, our character is proven and we are deepened and strengthened so that we can make it through greater difficulty. Maturity, says James 1, that, that we will be perfect and completely lacking in nothing. Make it through a trial. You'll, get, you'll be more mature and you'll be able to have others follow you and to encourage and strengthen them. Hope. Hope is a result of perseverance. Every time you go through a trial, you have greater hope for the things to come because you've seen God work. Love. First Peter 1 says, when we go through trials, we love God more because we believe in him. So love is a result. Deeper love for the Lord and others results from perseverance. Comfort of others, says 2 Corinthians 1, 6, that we're able to comfort them with the same comfort with which we've been comforted in the midst of our trial. Holiness. 2 Peter 1 says that when we persevere in diligence and faith and moral excellence and knowledge and self-control, that we gain perseverance, and perseverance brings godliness. We grow in holiness. And then, lastly, we receive eternal life. Perseverance ends with an eternal life spent with the Lord. He who perseveres to the end will be saved, and he will enable you by his strength to persevere. So just a couple of thoughts. How would you rate your current stamina endurance? Maybe talk about this in your small groups. Where are you currently at? Are you running two miles in preparation for 26? Are you getting, you know, you're starting to run 24. That's great. But remember, this is a long-term marathon, more than 26 miles. How would you rate your current stamina and endurance? What is happening right now in your life where you can practice greater endurance? Now you're not looking ahead to something else. Right now, where are you beginning to slow down? Can you identify specific attitudes actions or relationships which are keeping you from this perseverance. Think it through. Why are you not persevering in certain areas? And then make a plan to change. Have someone accountable, maybe your parents, maybe a friend, maybe someone else in the church, and press on to see the work accomplished that the Lord would have in your life, preparing yourself for every next stage that the Lord would have so that you will persevere to the end with victorious endurance. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time.
Thank you for the joy and privilege of being able to study perseverance, and thank you that you provide us with it, that you give us the strength that we need, and as we take hold of your resources, we can and do persevere to the end. I would be with my young people. Give them grace in the, as they're just starting out in their Christian life to persevere now through these trials that they will have greater strength later. And Father, be with the whole congregation at every stage that as they take hold of the strength you've provided through the trials they've faced already, that they would grow in strength and wisdom to, per, to persevere through the trials they have now. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us again on Grace Maryville Weekly. These messages are just a small collection of sermons that have been presented at Grace Community Church in Maryville, Tennessee. If you would like to learn more about Grace Community Church, where Pastor Chris serves as an elder and pastor, please visit us online at gracemaryville.org. Again, that's gracemaryville.org. There not only will you be able to find out more about the many ministries at Grace Community Church, but you will also be able to access a full audio archive of messages, not only presented by Presta Chris, but also messages presented to our women's ministry, our youth ministry, and our college-aged ministry. We invite you to visit us online, and we hope that you will join us again on Monday when we will begin another series of messages from God's Word.